Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. I want the whole world to know how powerful and amazing your brain is. It just shows that the possibilities are endless, isn't a scientific term, but way bigger than we ever thought before. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Where does visualization fit into how to plan and goal set for the future? What about manifestation? Is that a tool in your kit for going after what it is that you want? Before you cast off manifestation and visualization as too woo-woo, I want for you to meet Dr. Tara Swart. She is a neuroscientist, a medical doctor, and so much more, and her work is anchored in researching the science behind manifestation. Dr. Swart is going to share that research with us and the proven methods for visualizing and manifesting the life and the business you want. There is more than just making a vision board on Pinterest with your dream house. This is a tactical lesson in manifestation and visualization backed by neuroscience. And if you stay to the end, I promise you there is something that is going to change your life. Truly. Let's dive on in with Dr. Tara Swart. Thanks to Organifi for supporting Gold Digger. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends for plant-based nutrition that tastes great. To get 15% off any product, go to Organifi.com slash Gold Digger and use the promo code Gold Digger. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Gold Digger. Whether your small business is shifting hours or hiring more remote employees, you need the right people on your team. Visit linkedin.com slash gold digger to get $50 off your first job post. All right, Dr. Tara, let's dive on in. I am so thrilled to have you on the Gold Digger podcast. So first and foremost, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much. It's a complete dream for me to be on the show. Well, we are so honored to have you. And honestly, I'm just so excited to hear your incredible voice and your accent over the next 30, 40, however long we go, because it's literally a pleasure and a treat. So first, I mean, I have to say I am humbled to speak with someone who has so many incredible, important titles. You're a neuroscientist, a medical doctor, an executive advisor. But I want to know, like, who is Dr. Tara Swart, the human? Oh, that's such a good question. And I think I'm a really big bunch of contradictions. So <laughs> love it. <laughs> actually, I'm so I have such strong boundaries about between work and life that the human is actually Mrs. Tara Bieber or just Tara. And I purposely kept my married name and my work name different so that I can almost like change personas if I need to. So yeah, I think, you know, with all those qualifications comes a sort of a terrible responsibility to be the embodiment of those qualifications and not be a human. So I've always been very conscious because I've had good people around me of not forgetting that I'm a human with, you know, all those other things that I do. And actually, probably at times a bit of a crisis of who am I if I wasn't doing the job that I'm doing. So I would say I am there's going to be so many things that come up in this podcast, but basically, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I would definitely say I'm a big free spirit, but I'm also sort of a searching soul. I am, I mean, I've kind of really thought about it because it's tricky when you have a very vocational career, like being a doctor or being a yeah. scientist. And so I have come to the conclusion that I'm somebody that's in pursuit of truth, beauty, and art. And so truth is about authenticity for myself and for my clients and my readers and followers. Beauty is about, I mean, I guess it's about growth and positivity and optimism and neuroplasticity, which is my research area in work. But the nice thing is that my life is very much about neuroplasticity, which is continual learning and growth and seeing beauty in everything from nature to people to situations. And then the art piece is... I mean, I love paintings and sculptures, but I always said medicine was an art, not a science. And mm. I feel like with everything I do now, I'd rather it was sort of like I'm an artist. And there's a very special reason, I think, to that for me, which is that I was one of those kids when I was about, you know, high school that was told you're not creative because you're because I wasn't good at art. Mm. And I believed that for 20 years. And now I would say I feel like like such a creative person. And that's been a huge 180 for me. So like I said, a bunch of contradictions. Oh, you know what? Being a walking contradiction is one of the greatest blessings because I think it actually proves that you are committed to a life filled with learning, right? Mm. We learn, we grow, we get stretched, we change, we pivot. And I think that evolution is so inspiring in and of itself. I love that. So I want to know, how do you describe the work that you do? You're dropping these large words like neuroplasticity. <laughs> like, tell us what kind of work do you do? Because you span a lot of different areas and a lot of different fields. Yeah. And I think it makes sense when you look back. And obviously, not everybody knows about all parts of my career because it's and even some of the books that I've written, because it's been going on for a very long time. So I went to medical school. And in the middle of that, I did a PhD in neuroscience. So I, I was already early on interested in the neurological and psychological sort of parts of medicine. Then I 
thought I was going to be a neurologist, but when I went back to complete medical school, I preferred psychiatry because I was just so fascinated by how people's moods change and how their brains can play tricks on them and they can hear voices that aren't there. And I just thought that was so fascinating. So I was a psychiatrist for seven years and then I changed to becoming an executive coach. So, you know, I do think there's a thread there because it's a little bit like I was saying with the contradictions. It's something that's very much about focus and discipline and creating habits and reaching goals, but it's also quite zen and it's about trust and a relationship. And, you know, for me, it's very intuitive. So I think, you know, that balance works really well for me. And then within that, I started speaking and neuroscience became a hot topic in coaching and business and leadership. And then I wrote a book on, (laughs) it's called An Attitude for Acting, but it's because I'd always secretly wanted to be an actress. But I, you know, my parents wanted me to go to medical school. So it was lovely to meet somebody from that background and be able to write with them. After my PhD, I said I would never write again. And after writing that book, I said I would never write again. Um, And then I sort of got tricked into writing Neuroscience for Leadership with a friend who said, we're going to write 12 articles and then put them together into a book. And I've already got a publisher. So that sounded quite easy, but it wasn't. And then actually a huge mentor of mine, who's a, a female neuroscientist, said to me one day, you'll wake up and there'll be something that you can't not write about and Mm, don't write anything until then. And then that's what happened with my, you know, my latest book where I combine science and spirituality, which really brings up, I think, that thread of being, you know, a sort of bunch of contradictions because people actually said to me, I mean, you teach at MIT and you run, you know, sort of executive advisory for really senior people in financial services. Didn't you think it was a bit of a risk to start writing about spirituality? And I guess it was, but I didn't really think about it like that. And I, and at all the pivot moments in my life that seem like risks from the outside, to me, the biggest risk would have been not taking that leap of faith and doing what I did, like leaving medicine, mm-hmm. writing that book and other things like that. And that book has been translated into multiple languages. You didn't say the title of that book. Give us the title. <laughs> Um, The title is The Source, The Secrets of the Universe, The Science of the Brain. And yeah, it's got 36 global translations, which is just beyond what I ever dreamt of. Oh, so incredible. So one of the things that I am just so intrigued about that you speak about often is manifestation and visualization. And both of those topics have kind of become these cornerstones of what you research and teach. How did that come to be? So I I know that seems, you know, a little strange for a neuroscientist and a medical doctor, but actually there are really obvious processes in cognitive science. So that's the way that your brain works that back up both of those concepts. And so to me, they seemed to go together. So obviously, so I've always been interested in manifestation and spirituality and visualization, but it always kind of bothered me that it was largely explained by quantum science and vibration of frequencies. And although I love that as a scientist, I couldn't quite, I couldn't accept that that was enough of an explanation for me to really believe that it made sense. And that if I spent time doing that, it would actually change my life. So although I did initially practice it myself based on what I would call not rigorous empirical science, which means based on data. When I started to 
look into the science behind those things for the writing of the source. It was like 80 or 90% of all of those concepts was very easily explainable by modern neuroscience, which Mm -hmm. was based on brain scanning and not sort of less tangible things. So, and what's been really interesting for me is people who aren't scientists at all said that reading the science and really understanding how, what you think and how you change the way that you think leads to those things manifesting really compelled them to do some of the practical exercises that I suggested as a way of manifesting and using visualization. So that guides me to my next question, which I think is just so, so interesting is like manifestation has many skeptics and you kind of touched on this where there's different kind of beliefs around it or how it's done or the way that you do that. Do you think manifestation is often misunderstood or maybe like misdirected? Absolutely. And so I would say that I was a skeptic of the explanation for how it worked, but I wasn't a skeptic of manifestation itself. And so, so, you know, the reason I wrote the book is that I wanted to write a book that would make sense to me about how it worked. And so there's a few, you know, I'll I'll tell you some of the processes behind uh, visualization and manifestation. So they're part of a set of processes called selective filtering, selective attention, and value tagging. And because we're bombarded with so much information on a daily basis. And and I don't just mean information that you read consciously, but I mean everything that you smell, everything that you see, mm-hmm. everything that you experience, everything that you recall. I mean, there's a statistic that like now in what you would read in the New York Times in one week is what somebody would have, the amount of information somebody would have experienced in their entire life a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So information, (laughs) I know. And (laughs) even a hundred years ago, that would have gone under the bracket of information overload. Like the brain has mechanisms to protect us from that. Like how you're not aware of your clothing on your body all day. Yeah. Because actually it is touching your skin all day, but you're not aware of that. So that's one of the ways that the brain filters out certain bits of data, basically. And so your brain is doing that all the time. Imagine you're walking down a busy high street. Your brain's filtering out the shops, the people, the traffic that you don't need to attend to, to survive in the short term. And so that's the selective filtering. The selective attention is what your brain moves your head, your eyes, your ears, everything to pay attention to. So the things that you focus on. And then value tagging is putting those things in order of importance for you to survive and thrive. But if you're under any kind of pressure, which we pretty much all are all the time, then the thriving piece isn't seen as important by your brain. Only survival is seen as important. And there's two paths to that value tagging. So there's the logical or what's called the cold element, which is just, these are the things I need to get done today to physically survive, to keep my job, to, you know, put food on the table for my family. And then there's the warmer element, which is, these are the people I love. This is the community that I feel a part of. These are my aspirations, you know, sort of bigger picture aspirations. And so although the brain does tag according to those, you can see how it's going to put the logical stuff before the emotional stuff. Mm -hmm. This is so so fascinating. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) It's quite scary because, I mean, what it really made me think when I first looked into it is 
that if you didn't know that, you yeah. would just go through your life and Surviving. kind of, yeah, and, and sort of like a zombie almost. Yeah. Because you're just non-consciously attending to the sort of immediate things that you need to satisfy to tell your brain that you're safe. Wow. How do you, I'm like, I'm going to say this in the least scientific way. <laughs> you are absolutely the smartest person in this Zoom room. How do you <laughs> train your brain then to be able to even think about and process and forward pace and dream? How, what does that even look like in getting your mm-hmm. brain out of that survival mode and into that kind of aspirational mode? Well, the first piece of that is visualization. So if you spend some time, and it can be quite a short time, but obviously the longer you do it, the more it has an impact on the pathways in your brain. Visualizing what you would like your life to look like, what you would like to be like, who you would like in that picture. And you know, even take it out to more of your senses and get a feeling of like, what would it smell like? What would it taste like? What would it feel like? Then you're priming your brain to do that value tagging in a different way than it would do it if you just left it open with no reinforcement of what you want it to focus on. When you visualize, I won't say that it's no different to an actual event occurring in your brain, but the brain doesn't differentiate very much between a visualization, especially if you repeat it and a real event. So for example, you know, really simple thing that I do is if I'm going to give, you know, a really big keynote talk somewhere, if I can arrive the night before or in plenty of time before it, I'll go and actually look at the room Mm. that I'll be speaking in. Preferably I'll go when it's full of people so I can see how many chairs, how many people, how big the room is. But if I can't do that, then I'll either try to Google the place so that I have some idea of what it looks like. And if I can't even do that, then I'll just visualize walking up onto a stage, having a microphone, having a sea of faces in front of me, having lots of bright lights on me and try to prepare my brain for a particular high stakes event. But you can also extrapolate that in a much more sort of, you know, a bigger but a more general way to how you'd like your life to be. It's so, you know what I'm thinking of right now? And it's making me smile because I'm like, wow, I was a collegiate diver. So someone that would stand on those tall diving boards and fling her body Mm -hmm. into the air and do all the flips. And we would always sit on the side of the pool during meets and visualize our next dive. And we would do the weirdest body motions and the weirdest (laughs) movements like we were flinging ourselves through the air, even though our feet were firmly planted on the ground. And I'm like, maybe there was something to that. <laughs> I mean, it's been big in sports for a long time. Yes. But I'll, I'll tell you, so, I think now that you've gone down that road, Jenna, I was waiting to be led because I have so many things that I want to say. And I was thinking, OK, what's going to be special, oh. you know, special interest to Jenna? So yeah. there are experiments where weightlifters were split into three groups. One group that did no weightlifting for a week. One group that did, you know, they had certain finger weights and elbow weights to, you know, to focus on certain muscles in their fingers and their biceps. And they repeated these several times a day, every day for a week. And then there was a group that just visualized lifting finger weights or elbow weights. 
And although the growth in muscle mass in the actual weights group was around 50 something percent, the growth in muscle mass for the group who only visualized lifting weights and didn't lift any weights that week was between 13 and 30 percent. What? Yeah. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) This is amazing. I can give you the reference to the study for your show notes because I don't have it like right to hand. But yeah, so they compared to these groups, the group who didn't do anything, they didn't, you know, didn't show any growth in muscle mass. But yeah, so so visualizing, it activated the parts of the brain that actually do weightlifting, even though these people weren't lifting weights, they actually grew muscle mass. I mean, it's that's the thing. Once you start doing research like that. Yeah. You start thinking, I want the whole world to know how powerful and amazing your brain is. And that's for a physical thing. So imagine what you could do for your health, your happiness, your love, your wealth. I mean, it just shows that the possibilities are, you know, endless isn't a scientific term, but way bigger than we ever thought before. You know, it's making me think like, Tara, if I wake up and I'm thinking I should really go get on that stationary bike. And I'm laying in bed. If I just visualize it, I'll at least gain something than if I just fall back asleep without actually thinking about it. Yes. Yeah. I haven't tried that yet, but I I have really like not used my Peloton as much as I should recently. So I think I might start with that from tomorrow. (laughs) We'll do it together and then we'll high five each other in our Instagram DMs and it'll be just like the real thing. (laughs) We should actually do a little experiment. We really should. I'm 100% in to be a research subject for you and your practices. I want to know, Tara, so we're in a new year. And I think a lot of people are just really feeling hopeful and maybe cautiously optimistic. What does visualization and manifestation, what kind of roles can they play as we start to navigate this like fresh start? Yeah, I mean, New Year is a great time to to focus on these sorts of concepts. Although, you know, I really want to say that with a disclaimer, which is that, you know, your birthday, start of the school year, Chinese New Year, any date is is a good time to start. But it's just such an obvious, it's symbolic, isn't it? So I think it's really nice to think about these things. And so what I personally do is I take the visualization a step further around New Year and I create what I call an action board, which is my way of manifesting the things that I want in life that year or sort of year to 18 months. So an action board is, it's just a vision board, which everybody pretty much will have heard of before, but because it's based on neuroscience, it has to involve some positive action from you. It can't be a fantasy that you create of a life that is unachievable for you and you're not willing to do anything to move towards that becoming a reality. So it has to be, like you said, cautiously optimistic. It's got to have some things on it that are within your agency to achieve in a, let's say, three to six month period. And then it can definitely have some bigger things that you think you might not achieve within the year, but they're, you know, they're stretch goals for you as it were. And then it can have, you know, you can leave some room for magic or you can have some, you know, crazy thing on there. So, you know, I'll use something like a flamingo or a unicorn to symbolize something I haven't thought of yet, but it's an amazing magical opportunity kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So basically, alongside with the concepts that I told you already, there's another part that really bridges visualization and some kind of 
metaphorical representation, or literal and metaphorical, but metaphorical is better, representation of the things that you want, which is called, it's a psychological phenomenon called the Tetris effect. So when kids play Tetris on a Game Boy in bed I was really good at Tetris. I was so good. I was too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I wasn't sure what age you were because it depends if if that was something that you were doing. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But do you remember then that when you put the Game Boy away and you closed your eyes to go to sleep that you could still see the bricks falling? Yep inside your eyelids. Yeah. So that's the Tetris effect. And the reason for that is that there's a period between being awake and actually being asleep. And there's similarly, there's a period that goes from being asleep to waking up. They've got wonderful names, the hypnagogic and hypnopompic states. And in those states, your subconscious is very open to being primed by what you expose it to. And so although I would say, you know, with an action board, have it somewhere in your house that you can see it frequently or have it as a screensaver on your phone or your laptop, there's a really important window, which is just before you're falling asleep, where if you look at it, you visualize the things on it being true, like you actually visualize it as if they're true, not you wish they're true. And you do a little something each day, whether it's journaling or an affirmation or it's networking or dating or it's, you know, creating a new product, that you do something each day to move you towards those goals. That, to me, is manifestation that isn't fluffy or unexplained, and it doesn't rely on some magical universal force. It's relying on your brain power and you using it. And that works. And you can see why that works. It doesn't, there's nothing left to wonder like, oh, I wonder how that works. It's pretty obvious. You've created goals, you've made them visual, you've focused on them, you know, you've done that selective attention and you have committed to making them come true. That's really what manifestation is. You know, it shouldn't be anything more sort of unexplainable than that. It's a new year and a fresh chapter for your small business. Whether you're shifting business hours or hiring more remote employees, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. I found and hired my last four employees and contractors via LinkedIn. My hiring process usually lasts less than a week because LinkedIn Jobs makes it so easy to find the best candidate for my highly specific and unique positions. Post a job with targeted screening questions and LinkedIn will quickly get your role in front of the most qualified candidates. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. Visit linkedin.com slash gold digger to get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash gold digger to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. I've been trying to steer clear of too much caffeine lately, but with that comes the afternoon slump. I normally reach for a shot of espresso or an energy drink, but then I was introduced to Organifi's red juice and no joke, I think I'm afternoon slump proof now. Drew loves it too. Organifi is the line of organic superfood blends that offer great tasting plant-based nutrition. Their blends are gently dried superfood powder that you simply mix with water. 30 seconds later, you've got a drink packed with quality nutrition with no shopping, chopping, juicing, or blending. 
Each Organifi product offers a different set of health benefits, like helping increase energy with the red juice I love, or calming support so you can fall asleep with ease with the gold tea. It costs less than $3 per day and no extra shopping required or mess to clean up. To get 15% off any product, go to Organifi.com slash Gold Digger and use the promo code Gold Digger. That's 15% off any product at O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Gold Digger with the promo code Gold Digger. I love the way that you describe that it's active attention. You know, it's not just you know, the, the mood board or the visual, and then that's it. And it sits, you know, in your closet or buried on your desk. I have a very short story. Can I share it with you about this? Of course. Yeah. So after we had our second miscarriage, I was doing a visualization exercise with my friend, Erin Trelor, who had also gone through loss. And she was leading me through this visualization exercise. And she just had this beautiful voice and we were on the phone And she was saying, you know, like, visualize you living your best life. Like, what are you wearing? What do you smell? And touching on the things Mm -hmm. that you said too, like bringing your senses into it. And it was so wild when I did it because I visualized a totally different house than the house we were living in. And I visualized Mm -hmm. this little girl sitting at the table eating pancakes, my daughter. And I visualized this red rug. And the funniest part about the visualization that made me laugh was that I was wearing jeans and a white linen shirt, which was like so opposite of what I was wearing (laughs) that day. And it was just this like wake up call. And I remember even there was a line that she had said that was like, you know, put your fingers into her finger slots, like plant your feet on the ground that she stands on. And it was that day that I ordered the specific pair of jeans that I had visualized because it kind of struck me as like, if that's my best life and I'm not even wearing the pants that I'm visualizing and they're within reach right now, what does that say about what I'm doing with my life right now. And so I love how you tie in that active response because I think a lot of times when people hear manifestation, they think, I'm just going to you know, think that someday I'll be a millionaire and own a beach house in Hawaii and, and that's mm. that. But there's mm. never really that active, you know, what steps can I take right now? Now, there's so many things that you've just said there, Jenna, that are you know, really backed up by neuroscience. So sensory integration is actually a scientific term like value tagging and selective attention. So that is part of the process. And so clearly your friend really, you know, deeply put you into all of your senses being part of this with planting your feet and your fingers in the, you know, same place as your best self. Also, what you said about buying the jeans is really important. I've got an, an example of that, but I hear it so many times. So, you know, the classic... This was actually a friend of mine who's a coach as well, but came with his images and we did his action board together. And there was the couple walking along the beach with the dog. And he's had two rescue dogs before and he'd lost one of them recently. So I said, well, you know, you could start thinking about getting another dog. You could go to Bastie Dog's home and, you know, see who they've got. And he said, yeah, I could. But the dream is that I get the dog with my partner, my future partner. And so I said, okay, but the more responsibility you take for making things on that board come true that you can, you'll yeah. see a cascade effect of other things starting to come true. And like, I couldn't believe it when just a few days after, you know, calling me up to FaceTime <laughs> with his new puppy, he called me up to say that he's just met like in the craziest way, but 
you know, who I think is the love of his life. So, you know, even I didn't think it would happen that quickly, but I know that if you don't do the things that you can do, then there's less chance that those other things are going to happen. Because, you know, even just having that pair of jeans makes you feel like you're one step closer to being that person. And that increases your confidence and that increases your testosterone levels. And then you're more likely to take a risk that you wouldn't have taken. And, you know, then there's that whole cascade of feel good, you know, hormones that just makes you feel more confident about achieving these things. And we all know really, like, I think if your listeners ask themselves now, are there things that you're not doing that you could because you're afraid that what you want isn't going to work out? I think everyone would say yes. So things like getting those genes, you know, it's really saying I can be that person and I can have that life. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Oh, I want to ask you a question about goal setting. So it's the beginning of the year. So many people set goals. And for so many years, I've made like a list of goals or things that I want to achieve in the year. And lately, what resonates more with me than words on a page are imagining the way I want to feel, not Mm -hmm. necessarily certain numerical milestones or things like that, because I've done those things in the past and I've arrived at where I thought, you know, I would feel a certain way and realize that I didn't feel that way. Is there any Mm -hmm. science behind goal setting and doing so in a way that prioritizes a feeling over an objective? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I've never been asked that before. Um, <laughs> I want to try to bring in something that I've been just waiting and wanting to tell yes. you. So I'm going to try to like thread it into the answer for this question because I know we <laughs> don't have that much time left. So goal setting is basically all about neuroplasticity, which is the incredible ability of even the adult brain to change throughout life. And, you know, that can be for good or for bad. So, you know, if you obsess over your last breakup and your heartache and how awful the person was, you're strengthening pathways in your brain for negative thinking. If you focus on the things that you want, the behaviors that will help you achieve that, the feeling that goes along with that, or even, you know, more tangible objectives as well, then you're starting to create pathways in your brain. And there's a process for creating what I call it is a sustainable behavior change, which is basically what you have to do to achieve a goal. And that process is raised awareness. So bringing from non-conscious to conscious, the things that you need to think differently about, do, not do, notice, to start moving you towards that goal. And of course, that can be a felt sense as well. It can be intuition or it can be you know, sort of an emotional feeling, or or it can be a physical feeling in your body. And then the next stage is focused attention. So this brings us back to actually what we were talking about a bit with visualization, which is noticing opportunities for where you could have felt or behaved in a certain way that would move you closer to your goal, but also noticing when you slip up and you don't do something that could move you closer to that feeling and just, just noticing that, not making any changes yet. The third part is deliberate practice. So that is, you know, the feeling that you want to achieve. It's like, I don't really like the phrase fake it till you make it, but I, you know, have a version of that based on neuroscience, which is act it until you are it. So even if you just channel that feeling, you know, and I do a lot of sort of what I call creative mentoring, where I ask my future self for advice. And I actually 
walk seven steps forward because I asked myself seven years older than me and I turn around and I look back at myself, the person that's asking the question today. So, you know, I think being a neuroscientist, but also just like really intuitively having lived that way for a long time, that whole sensory integration piece about feeling is, is very, very important. And the final part is accountability, which is, you know, someone like your friend Erin or or, you know, you yourself in your journal or, you know, using a piece of technology that you hold yourself accountable to reaching that goal within a certain period of time or by some sort of mark, you know, that's important to you. And so I wanted to give you an example of neuroplasticity that I've seen in your life as Mm -hmm. a way of helping people to understand that, yes, when we're older, it takes longer, it's harder work. I mean, really achieving a goal or a feeling in that way, like a, a different feeling about your life or about you is approximately the same amount of physical and mental work as learning a new language. So for most adults, that is going to take six months to a year. It is going to take weekly, you know, practice or attention. You know, it is going to be better if somebody's on your team, like cheering you along or asking you, you know, why you're not achieving as much as you want to. But I absolutely, I cried when I saw this story on your Instagram of your little girl trying to rub off a mole on her leg. Yes, I know. Yes. And and you saying, but that's your special mark. It makes you really special. It's just for you. And that the next morning she woke up and she kissed it. Mm-hmm. And I I read that and, you know, just as a human, I just, you know, the story moved me to tears. But I thought that's neuroplasticity. And because she's so young and you're either the or one of her primary care and love givers, the the impact of you saying something has a huge emotional intensity on her brain. And because she's so young, she can change just like that overnight. We can't do that, quit that quickly, but we can do what she did. And that is a feeling. That's a feeling about yourself. That's going from feeling like I'm not perfect and I need to be perfect to I love how special and different and unique I am. And like, you know, even for me, Jenna, to have said, to you at the beginning of this, I'm a bunch of contradictions. It took me 20 years to be able to say that and not feel ashamed. Yes. Yes. That is so powerful and such a beautiful way to illustrate that as well, because, you know, I think to being a mom, it always has me thinking, you know, like what things do I want to make sure she learns and what things do I want to change in the way that she learns them? And that's such a powerful, powerful reminder of how strong our brain is. And also like how important the messaging that we consume is as well. Mm, mm. You know, when we talk about consumption from a brain point of view, it's not just what you eat. It's everything that you read, everything that you see, the people that you hang around with. So it's basically everything that you expose your brain and body to. I want to put you on the spot and you can 1 million percent decline, but would you be willing to lead us through a little manifestation exercise? Okay, no, I've got an exercise that goes really beautifully with what we've just spoken about. And it is in the book, it's called Portals. And if anyone gets the book on Audible, then it's my voice that that reads it out. So you could have it forever, but now you'll have it for free on the podcast. So basically, I will ask you to make sure you're sitting comfortably and that you won't be interrupted for the next few minutes or so. And just to take a big, deep breath. And as you breathe out, close your eyes. 
And then keep breathing quite deeply, a little bit deeper than you normally do perhaps. And focus on the out-breath being longer than the in-breath. And even when you think you've breathed out as far as you possibly can, breathe out a little bit more because we can always let go of more. And then just return your breathing to normal. And I'm going to ask you to do a scan of your body, but the inside of your body. So starting at the crown of your head, inside your skull, just imagine a liquid pouring over the inside of your skull, cleansing your brain, cleansing your spinal cord, cleansing those muscles around your neck and shoulders and flowing down the inside of your arms, cleansing all of your nerves and veins and arteries in your arms and legs, cleansing your heart and lungs, cleansing your guts, your liver, your kidneys, And then just flowing out of your toes as you lengthen your toes and evaporating into the air around you. Now, as you focus on your toes and your feet and your mind's eye, you suddenly become aware that you're standing at the top of a flight of 12 stone steps within a mountain range. You can feel the breeze on your skin and your hair and clothes flowing gently in that breeze. You feel the warmth of the sun, and you can hear birdsong in the distance. Now, maintaining your focus on your feet, I'd like you to very slowly walk down those 12 steps with your right foot first on step 12, left foot, step 11, right foot, step 10, and all the way down to the bottom of the stairs, counting in your mind's eye. When you get to the bottom of the stairs, you see a door carved into the stone of the rock in front of you. Push that door open and enter the cave inside the mountain. It's dimly lit, but after a while you see that there are five full-length mirrors in the cave. They could be oval or rectangular. They could be on stands or hanging from the ceiling. Walk over to the first mirror. In the first mirror, you're wearing only your underwear. And you can see by the tone of your muscles and the glow in your eyes that this is a body that has been well nourished with healthy food. You're the picture of glowing health the healthiest you've ever seen yourself. Send a snapshot of this image to the memory centers of your brain so that you can always recall it whenever you need to. Now with a deep breath and one last look at your very healthy, glowing, relaxed body, move over to the second mirror. In this mirror, you're wearing your sports clothes and you can see from your posture and the tautness of your muscles and the tone of your whole body, 
that this is a body where you've exercised gently, just enough to have it at its peak. But you've never pushed yourself too far. You haven't tried to look a way that's not natural for you. You're looking the best physically that you ever could. And you're the fittest that you've ever been in your life. Just drink in the feeling of what that feels like. Once you feel full of that physical confidence, move over to the third mirror. In this mirror, you're in the sharpest business suit or whatever appropriate clothing for your profession you could be in. You can tell just by the office or area that you're standing in that you have reached the peak of career success. You look confident. There are all sorts of accolades and symbols of success around you. And you're not that much older than you are now. So you know that you're going to become super successful really quite sooner than you thought you would. How does that feel? With a really good look at the shoes and all the symbols of success that would mean something to you, move over to the fourth mirror. In this mirror, you're in a casual social environment with all the people that you love and who love you around you. You're smiling and laughing. You're so relaxed. Who's in this mirror with you? Who's not? As you look at yourself, just so happy and loved, you smile and you see that reflected in the mirror. When you've taken this in to your heart's content, move over to the fifth and final mirror. In this mirror, you see a combination of everything that you've seen in the other mirrors. Fit, healthy, confident, happy, successful, loved. But as you look closer, this isn't a mirror, it's a portal. And as you step through it, you know that something has changed in your brain forever. Something good. Once you've stepped through it, you find yourself with your back to the door of the cave and the 12 steps in front of you. Imagine yourself almost running or gliding up these steps, but start to bring your focus back to your feet as you ascend the stairwell. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And with a deep breath, just bring yourself back into your room, back into your body, back to this podcast. And just start to gently wiggle your fingers and toes. Focus on your breathing, returning it to normal. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Oh my goodness, that was a gift. I love that one so much. I mean, I just love doing it with people as well, but I, I can't see everyone now, but when I can see the people, like, you know, when I do my teaching at MIT, yeah. it's just so special. It's just, you know, I think we all need to be able to access that best part of ourselves sometimes. And this is a really good time to start that kind of practice in the new year. 
Oh my goodness, Tara, you are such a gift. Thank you so much for giving us just your time and your expertise and your education and for coming on just as your beautiful, whole, like significant, incredible self. I couldn't be more grateful. Oh, thank you so much, lovely Jenna. Where can everybody find you and follow you and connect with you and read your books and just get all the incredible information that you put out into the world? Thank you. Well, I'm most active on Instagram where I'm Dr. Tara Swart. And I have a website, taraswart.com, which has got all the different translations of the book on it if you want to read it in a different language. But if you'd like to read it in UK English or US English, then it's available on amazon.com or amazon.co.uk. Thank you so much. I am so excited to high five you in our Peloton (laughs) visions and to just continue to learn from you and follow along. Thank you again for such a gift of an interview. Oh, me too. You're the biggest gift, Jenna. You're so lovely. And it's just been so wonderful to have this chat with you. Wow. I sincerely hope you took time to just get quiet with yourself and to walk through that visualization exercise with Dr. Tara. I know it felt transformative to me. And as I opened my eyes, the first thought that crossed my mind was, I cannot wait to send this to the people that I love, you included. There is so much power in imagining ourselves as the fullest, most alive, most strengthened version of ourselves. When we even just imagine it, we can start to show up in that way. And today's episode was backed by neuroscience, but there was so much power in the idea that we cannot just visualize what we want for our lives or our businesses or our families, but that we can start taking active action towards that today. I am so grateful that this podcast allows me the opportunity to sit down at the mic with people like Dr. Tara Swart, and I sincerely hope that you take a moment to share this episode with someone else. What a gift it is to be able to pass on this information and this inspiration. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals and get super specific as you visualize them happening for you. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. 